0: You are Locked On Texans, your daily Houston Texans podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. To preview Sunday's game, as is our Locked On Podcast Network tradition, we look at the matchup between the Texans and Eagles in a Locked On crossover. We go behind enemy lines here. And I'm Robert Land from Locked On Texans, for those that don't know, and joined by Locked On Eagles host Gino Camilleri. It's good to talk with you, man.
1: Yeah, it's a pleasure to meet you. It's uh, nice to talk to an out-of-conference opponent. It'll be a good matchup. We got a lot of stakes riding on the line Sunday for us Eagles fans, and you guys too. You guys are fighting for home field advantage, so I expect this one to be a pretty heated battle on Sunday in Lickin' Financial Field.
0: Okay, I guess the big question that anybody outside of Philadelphia has is, what happened? I mean, we we expected the Eagles to compete, uh, I, I know that Carson Wentz, maybe he's not the same. How how have you looked at uh, what's happened to the Eagles this year?
1: Yeah, I mean, I expected them to repeat as did a lot of Eagles fans. I was in Atlantic City over the summer and I put my first legal gambling bet on the Eagles to repeat <laughs> a Super Bowl champions at eight to one. It's probably not going to happen, but th- there's been things that have went wrong on Every side of the football, offense, defense, special teams. I mean, just looking at the quarterback, Carson Wentz, you come to find out he's struggling to recover from this injury. He ends up having a fractured back. Our running backs take a hit with Jay Ajayi going down. We really couldn't find much consistency there. Wide receivers, Elshon Jeffrey was out the beginning of the year, and they haven't really had much uh, much production outside of Elshon. And the biggest production we've seen is from the tight end position with Zach Ertz, who's on Hall of Fame pace, our offensive line has been sputtering. They've been picking it up as of late, really didn't get back to that 2017 form until the last couple weeks. The defensive line, we lost a lot of depth in the offseason, really hurt us there outside of Fletcher Cox, uh, our secondary men. We're, we're playing with guys that – here's a trivia question for you. Do you know the last team Cravon LeBlanc played
0: for? I, I thought that was some sort of uh, – is that is that a color that I can draw on with my – with my little nieces or something like that? Cray- crayons? No, not crayons.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a good answer. But no, he's a we're playing with street free agents at the secondary position right now. Last week, we got a boost getting our fourth-round cornerback in uh, Avante Maddox back on the field. But we've really taken hits at every position. I, I, I'm not going to blame it all on injuries. Coaching has a lot to do with it. I don't think Jim Schwartz has really called his best football in 2018. Doug Peterson's play calls have been very skeptical the losses of Frank Reich and John DiFilippo have really hurt us. As much as the organization doesn't like to admit it, it's really taken a toll on this team. But if you, statistically looking at this team, Carson Wentz, until he got injured, was doing pretty well. Our defense is forcing the most amount of pressures currently in the NFL through Week 15. So it's just the execution. I mean, we've lost a lot of games late. Uh, we had a collapse in Tennessee in overtime. We had a collapse against the Panthers. We've had all these 17-point leads going into the third and fourth quarter, and we've just blown them, and that's not how championship teams go, and things haven't really bounced our way like they did in 2017.
0: Yeah, I was curious about Frank Reich because, of course, the Texans have got a up-close and personal view of Frank Reich, maybe too up-close and personal, especially a couple of weeks ago uh, with what he's doing in Indianapolis, and, you know, I mean, is, is it, does it mean that uh, Doug Peterson wasn't necessarily the brains behind all of that, what we saw in the Super Bowl last year? Or you just feel like it, it was maybe more more uh, in Frank Reich's hands than, than everybody knew, maybe more 50-50 or something like that as far as uh, the, the, the
1: variations in play calling
0: and what they were able to do?
1: The thing with that is I, I do think it plays a big role, but Doug Peterson in his own right is a very good coach. I just think who they brought in to replace Frank Reich and John D. Filippo was not the right candidate. Mike Groh before this has had no offensive coordinator experience. Going from a guy like Frank Reich and John D. Filippo, who are very great play designers and help Doug in his play calling and his planning, you lose those two and now it's just Doug with a... Uh, Mike Groh, an offensive coordinator who didn't have much experience, and Press Taylor, as well, who was promoted to our quarterbacks coach, didn't have much experience either. So now it's they left Doug by the wayside, which is unfortunate. But Frank Reich, I have to give all credit to him. You see what he's done with that team. They're clicking on all cylinders. I'm not going to say that it didn't hurt, but... Doug, I think he did take a step back this year. Hopefully, my hope and Lou's hope as well, I could speak for him, is that they bring in a voice from the outside this offseason to come into that room and shake things up on offense because the creativity really wasn't there until last week, which all of a sudden they opened up the playbook for Nick Foles, which drives me nuts. But it, it, there's a lot of things that have gone into the season and. Eagles Twitter has gone crazy from blaming Carson Wentz, blaming Howie Roseman, blaming just any person on the team has seen blame this year from the Eagles fans.
0: Before I get into some of the Texans, I did want to ask you about Carson Wentz because, uh, you know, a couple of injuries the last couple of years, is, is that concerning that you're starting to see a pattern? Because, you know, the franchise quarterback, we could tell you in Houston, what's going on with our guy and Deshaun And, and obviously You know, this year he's been healthy and, you know, we just kind of thank the lucky stars for that. But, you know, you look at the history of him and injuries and missing most of last year and uh, also a year of college as well. Uh, How concerned are you in Philadelphia about Carson Wentz and and this injury history he's starting to develop?
1: I'll just preface it with this, that in the last four seasons he's had accumulated injuries But in two out of those last four, the team that he is quarterbacked for has gone on to win the championship. So I'm not overly concerned regarding it because they're not like soft tissue injuries. Like he's not accumulating hamstrings that are keeping him out four to five weeks at a time. The injury in college, uh, his his hand hit a helmet, which messed up his wrist. That's just a freak injury. The knee injury, which he then went on to throw his record setting touchdown after he got hurt against the Rams basically attributed to this back injury because he wasn't able to plant that leg so if you're a quarterback and you have to create torque with your upper body that's going to put a lot of pressure on your back so I think rushing him back this year really hurt him I think taking the approach of what the Packers did with Aaron Rodgers last year sit him after you're out of playoff contention even though they're not but I would like to say that they are because I think Houston has a very good chance to win this week But just let him get healthy, let him have a good offseason with all his wide receivers, let him continue to grow that rapport and get back to that 2017 form, even though statistically he was better this year than he was last year. He is one of three quarterbacks in history to have back-to-back seasons where he threw 21 or more touchdown passes and single-digit interceptions, with the only other two quarterbacks being Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers on that list. So am I concerned about him? Absolutely not. I just think he needs time to get healthy get back with his wide receivers. And I think next year is the year that if we're going to get concerned and he does go out again, then we could talk about it. But as for now, I'm not overly concerned with it.
0: Very interesting. I'll I'll flip it uh, in this next segment. We'll talk some Texans. But uh, let's talk about our sponsor, DraftKings, because it's week 16 of the football season means time is running out to get in on the action. Every single game will matter with huge playoff implications at stake. And it could go a long way for you to win huge cash prizes. Single game fantasy football is the newest way to play one day fantasy at DraftKings, the leader in one day fantasy football. If you've been thinking about trying DraftKings, hey, now's the time and we're going to have some deals for you coming up on that. DraftKings has taken fantasy football from just one week to just one game, making it easier to draft your lineup. All you have to do is draft six players from a single football game, one captain, five other players. Your team will earn one and a half times the points. And you can go for value or for star power to anchor your lineup. It's that simple. Six players from one game. And your captain, like I said, he's the big one. One and a half times the points. And just stay under the salary cap. See how your team stacks up against the competition. DraftKings.com. That's where you want to go or download the app. Use code LOCKEDON. Uh, You know the code. We use it for everything. Enter a single game contest for free this week, with your first deposit, and compete for your share of over $1 million in total prizes. That's code locked on only on DraftKings, the game inside the game. Just a minimum of $5 deposit is required. There's some eligibility restrictions, of course. See DraftKings.com for details. And for all our listeners uh, to the podcast, join the DraftKings, Locked On Texans, or Locked On Eagles Listener's League, depending on which way you're listening to this one uh, for only $3 and, and see if you can beat us. just $3. Check our Twitter feed for more details. All right. I'll let you flip the script on me, I guess Gino. And uh, what do people do you think are interested? What are they interested in about the Texans? Because uh, we don't know if anybody knows this about us like nationally because uh, the Texans, they always seem to kind of be, have this little low profile in a way.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I've always followed the Texans. I I call them my AFC team. I always like expansion teams. I love to see them do well. So the year they came out, I really followed them closely. And I've been following them closely because I love DeAndre Hopkins and I am absolutely petrified to see what he does against this secondary. And I just want you to talk real quick since Will Fuller has gone out and they brought in Demarius Thomas, how has that really shifted the offense? I mean, Will Fuller was one of the best deep field threats in the game at that time. And you're bringing in Demarius Thomas, who's more of a possession type receiver. So how has that really shifted things since that injury occurred? Yeah. Will Fuller
0: is such a big deal. You just don't find Will Fuller's off the street. He's so hard to cover because of his speed, not just lengthening the field. But, you know, he, he's one of those guys that you could throw a quick screen to uh, because of he's such a threat, you know, deep. I mean, he just does so many things to take the pressure off the DeAndre. And um, it, it's taken him a while. You know, he had four weeks there, DeAndre Hopkins did, where he didn't have 100 yards. He finally had a breakout game. Everybody saw it on national television on Saturday against the Jets. 170 yards, a couple of touchdowns. But, uh, you know, DeAndre Hopkins, it, it's not a matter of whether he's doing okay, it's whether you're getting some contributions from some other guys. And Demarius, yeah, he doesn't have the speed, but they, they started to get him in the game plan a little bit more, five or six catches, I believe, on Saturday for him. So that was good. Uh, you know, It's it's also Deshaun. He's got to learn to to find the other guys to look for him. He, he doesn't look for him. maybe his tight ends as much as uh, you would think. And, you know, if you got DeAndre Hopkins, of course you're going to want to find him as much as possible. Of course you're going to look for him and Deshaun's still learning. You know, he's in his second year, so uh, just 21 games under his belt. So it, it's still a a thing where he's going to have to figure out how to go through progressions a little bit better, a little bit quicker. He holds to the ball too long. If you've seen him on national TV in Philadelphia, you, you know that it, it's that that is the concern with him. I think from Texans fans is just him learning how to get rid of the ball quicker. But he's knocked down the turnovers considerably from the last from the first few weeks to the last few weeks, and. You know that's a big part of why the Texans have had so much success. I mean, they just don't give the ball up like they used to.
1: Yeah, I think you uh, touched on a good point that I wanted to make mention of. I, I get some good information from at BrickwallBlitz or John Kinsley on Twitter, and he he's charts the amount of QB hits allowed and QB hits forced throughout the season and right now Houston has allowed 115 quarterback hits and for a quarterback coming off a major knee injury we know that in Philadelphia it's scary to see him get hit so much so do you think that's mostly on the offensive line or like you mentioned do you think that's him just not going through his progressions and holding on to the ball too long
0: yeah there was a little bit of a debate in our post game show this past Sunday with me and my co-host Brian and uh, he, you know, he feels like the offensive line is maybe a little bit more to blame than I do. I, the, I don't know if he believes that it's, you know, we none of us believe it's it's 100%. I feel like at this point in the season, he's just getting hit a lot more because of Deshaun. I mean, it's probably more 70-30 than, than it was early in the season, where it was maybe 70-30 the other direction, the offensive line just looked real ugly. It looked bad, but they, they've progressed. I mean, it's a offensive line that's just been thrown together in a year. They got four out of five guys that are brand new. So it, it's been a process, but yeah, Deshaun it, it's, that's something he's got to learn because it's, it's not just taking the minus yards. It's like you said, it's taking the hits. And that th- those are the two big things that we're concerned about. And, you know, one of the things I got to bring up is if, if you want to get rid of the ball quickly Uh, find the slot guy. And I don't know if Kiki QT is going to play. We're real excited about him here in Houston. Uh, He's somebody that they drafted in the fourth round that has the ability to get open and he's got great quickness and he, and he just finds a way to get open and Deshaun loves throwing the ball to him. The unfortunate things it's been one hamstring after another hamstring injury, both hamstrings have been uh, hurt at one point in time this year, and he just hasn't played a whole lot. So you know, we got your guy that you guys uh, sent packing, DeAndre Carter, and and he's helped a little bit. I mean, he's made a little bit of a difference when he has played. The only concern that we've had with him, and I don't know if you guys experienced this much, uh, he fumbled a lot his first couple of games. Luckily, they didn't go, they didn't uh, get recovered by the other team. But that that's about the only complaint we've had with him so far.
1: Yeah, a lot of Eagles fans grew upset by that. He was he was a fan favorite and once we lost Darren Sproles early in the year to his hamstring injuries funny enough DeAndre Carter stepped in in the punt return game and that's where we saw him make his mark the most he was getting some big chunk yardage he's very decisive in the punt and kick return game I feel and I'm sure you've seen that the last couple weeks with him but on offense we didn't really get him too involved in the game plan I mean outside of the first two weeks we didn't really see him much he did well in his time he, he works good in those intermediate to short areas you get him the ball in space he does pretty well but i think our 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 slot cornerback is very susceptible to like shifty receivers like a deandre carter i mean he craven leblanc not many people know who he is he's done well the last couple weeks but i think that's a fair matchup to point out but let's flip that to the other side of the football because just like the eagles who can produce a lot of hits houston can produce a lot of hits too with those two monsters and jj watt and jadevion Clowney. How has the defense been holding up this year? How, how's your secondary doing? Just give us a quick rundown of that out of everybody there.
0: Yeah, you, we talk about matchups this week. And, and if there is a concern, it's it's over the last couple of weeks. The, the defense has been good. You know, it's a, it's a DVOA top 10. Most metrics, it's top 10 defense. But the big concern is that guys are getting open way too much right now. And, you know, that's something that I don't know whether it's just uh, some lack of discipline and zone coverage, if if there's some schemes that haven't been working real well. We, 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 there's also some major issues with our cornerbacks. We just don't have speed at cornerback. I mean, that's going to be something that they're going to have to address in the draft in the early rounds. But uh, when you look at the secondary, the safety play, it's, it's better than we've seen in the entire history of the Texans. It's not even close. It's been fantastic. Justin Reed, the rookie. And, uh, Ty Matthew, the honey badger, everybody knows about him. But, uh, the big deal is, you know, if you could, if you've got speed to exploit, like T Y Hilton kills us every single time, uh, even Robbie Anderson last week, you know, that not somebody that you should be that scared of, but he had way more catches and way more yards than usual. Is that something you think the Eagles can exploit that, that speed and and maybe, uh, Uh, get some big plays off the Texans?
1: Yeah, I mean, besides last week when there was a lot of breakdown in coverages for the Rams, we weren't able to really get the ball downfield too much this season. I mean, Carson Wentz's longest completion was a 53-yarder to Shelton Gibson who hasn't even seen the field in the last eight weeks. So outside of Nelson Aguilar, there's not too much speed at that position. So in regards to that matchup, you might be looking pretty good. But I, I just absolutely fun over Justin Reed and Tyron Matthew that is a hell of a safety duo both of those individuals can play some smash mouth football I loved Reed when he was coming out in the draft Tyron Matthew we know his track record he's just unbelievable but up front like you said if you're able to exploit them with speed I think you can exploit them with speed. Tell me if I'm wrong, but we did it last week against the Rams. You get those guys that like to attack upfield, which Jadavion Clowney and J.J. Watt, you know they like to get after the quarterback. I think running the ball up the middle might be somewhere where this Eagles team looks to go for a second week in a row.
0: The Texans have been very good against the run. I mean, the, the, the running game on the other side, they had looked good for a few weeks, and then the last couple of weeks they struggled. I don't know what they're going to do if anything to correct that you could see Deontay Foreman who's been out for over a year play his first game you know he he's been out with an injury and you know mm-hmm. that that's that's something that could help the Texans a little bit i i don't know what to expect from him because this is an injury that's really difficult uh to come back from uh you know it, it it's i don't know uh but if if somebody can do something a little bit differently, maybe Deontay Foreman can. I, I do want to ask you about, you know, what, what this defense, what the Eagles defense can do with Deshaun Watson in just a bit. Just want to make sure, first of all, before we get to that, to remind everybody to follow Locked On NFL Net on Twitter and Instagram. You get all the local experts in our Locked On NFL Network in one feed. On Twitter, it's the perfect uh thing when all the games are going on simultaneously. It's really cool, or when news is breaking. And on Instagram, you get the major stories in just one minute. So, perfect bite-sized audio for you to find whatever team you, you're interested in. Um, it's really cool and really way good way to keep up with everything that's going on with all of our podcasts and all of our content and all the NFL in general. Make sure you follow Locked on NFL Net on both Twitter and Instagram. Well, Gino, how do you uh, feel like the Eagles can handle Deshaun Watson? Because. You know, the key, I think, is you You got to spy him a little bit and you got to keep him in the pocket because if you let him get outside the pocket, then you're playing right into his hands.
1: Yeah, I mean, we've seen that throughout the year, going against Dak Prescott twice and Marcus Mariota, the two guys that can really take that ball and make it their own and make plays out of it. That it not so much in longer yard situations, but when it comes to like a third and four, they're very susceptible to... To biting on plays like that, so I'm I'm very worried, especially if our uh, middle linebacker Jordan Hicks can't go. That'll really take a uh, a dive in that position. But we have some decent speed on the outside with uh, Camus Grugier-Hill. He's our third uh, will linebacker. He's pretty solid. I mean, the tackling in the last couple weeks has been, outside of the Rams game, outright atrocious. So I'm I'm very worried about that, but. I think the ultimate game plan is get after him early, make him either one, stay in the pocket and get the ball out quickly, or play into his hand and get him outside of the pocket and try to spy him, like you said. I think that's a very good game plan. Fletcher Cox had an unbelievable week last week against a solid Rams offensive line. So if you're concerned about that offensive line, I'd be very concerned this week. It's going to be a playoff atmosphere. These guys know that the season's on the line this week. I think it's a very bad matchup on the defensive side of the football for you guys. I, I'm not going to paint it just black and white That's say we come out and dominate. But if we can hit uh, Watson early, I think it could be we could be in for a long day in that department. But once you start getting the ball to, to Hopkins, I think things could get out of control because we've seen that before with top quality wide receivers against our subpar secondary.
0: What do you make of these two divisions? Because both of our divisions have taken a lot of crap. <laughs> this year yep. uh you know they're, everybody says that they're, they're both bad but you look up at the afc south and all of a sudden it's like well it's, the, wait the texans are 10 and 4 and the colts are 8 and 6 and the titans are 8 and 6 and the team that everybody thought was going to be there was the jags and they're 4 and 10 but you got three teams that are at least two games above 500 or better going in the last couple of weeks of the season the nfc east i mean if the redskins stayed healthy i mean they might have a pretty good record, and and you would have maybe three teams either 500 or better. I, I don't know if these divisions are quite as bad as everybody thinks, but you could say, well, they're maybe they're uh, getting some of the wins against their own division. But you know, I just find it interesting that uh, that they're doing as well as they have for the, the when you look at these two divisions. I mean, there there is a little bit of parity, but it's it's still pretty good for from what I thought.
1: Yeah, we beat the Colts earlier in the year, which came down to a fourth down stand in the in the red zone. So we you could be thanking us, Eagles fans, if it comes down to that one game at the end of the year. But they also blew that game against you guys, where early in the season Frank Reich went for it on fourth down, right? If I'm not mistaken. So yeah, it's it's a it's a very good division. I've always been high on Andrew Luck, even after that injury. I've always been big on the Titans, especially since they uh, beefed up on defense. They did go without Logan Ryan the rest of the season, which is a little unfortunate, but it, it's good to see that division do well because, like you said, it has been a laughing stock of the NFL for most of the time, but it, it, I like seeing good competition, and I say it when I did the lockdown crossover with the Cowboys – Divisions are more fun when all the teams are better. I don't like beating up on bad teams. Like last year when the Eagles were steamrolling the entire NFC East, it really wasn't that fun. I mean, even though we lost to the Cowboys this year, it's still exciting to see these matchups occur. But moving to the NFC East, I think teams are petrified to see the Eagles get into the playoffs. Just from national media, I've seen that. that That's like, what sixth seed do you really want to see? Do you want to see a sputtering Minnesota? Do you want to see maybe a Cowboys if they drop the last two, or do you want to see an Eagles team who knows how to play in the playoffs? So I'm not too confident they can get it done and capture that last six seed, but it's a very close division. If things went their way, I think they should have repeated as NFC East champions for the first time since 2006. But I think the Cowboys are who everybody thought they were. The Redskins, it's unfortunate that injury you saw with Alex Smith, the rest of their team is basically down to nothing too at one time they were just picking up guys off the street starting three or four offensive linemen just that weren't even on the team in weeks prior so it's unfortunate to see the division go down like this but that's the NFL and that's why they play the games but ultimately I think the Cowboys pull this division out if we beat you guys which I'm hoping for we should go into Washington week 17 and pull that final wild card seed out but you guys are fighting for home field advantage. Seeing that that the Patriots went down last week, so I don't think you guys are a pushover in any stretch of the imagination.
0: What's the odds now? Is it uh, is it a pick 'em game? Last I checked, I thought that was the case.
1: Yeah, I've seen a lot of books calling it a pick 'em. I just think one because the Eagles have home field, and two, another big factor is the Eagles have never lost to a Houston team, which I find rather shocking. That they're eleven and zero against Houston teams, so. Yes, those teams were maybe lesser teams in the first couple years, and I, I can't speak on the Oilers years, but the early years of the Houston Texans fran- the expansion franchise, but this this I think is going to be the biggest test. I'm really worried about DeAndre Hopkins. I'm really worried about your front four. Our offensive line hasn't been the world beaters they were last year. They've been banged up for a majority of the season, but seeing what they did against Aaron Donald and Dominican Sue last week, it put a little ease on my mind, but... When's the last time you guys were in Lincoln financial eight years ago, you're going to be coming into the Thunderdome. This environment is going to be absolutely banana land to put it lightly. These, these fans are out for blood. They're all on the back of St. Nick, as they like to say. So I'm really excited for this matchup. I think it's going to be a very close game. That's probably coming down to a last second touchdown or field goal.
0: Yeah. I think Texans fans are real wary of this one. they're, they're scared because you know, they feel like the, the Eagles might have more talent than the Texans might be a you know, better. And it's just a scary game, I think, for the Texans fans in general. But Deshaun Watson uh, is the last guy that's going to be worried about the environment. I mean, he, mm-hmm. he's, he's already played up in Seattle and threw up, I don't remember what it was, like 400 yards passing and 50 yards rushing or something like that. It was something ridiculous when he went up to play in Seattle in his rookie season. And, you mm-hmm. know, everybody's seen what he's done against you know, Alabama and national championship games. I mean, th- th- there's no environment that really scares him. To me, Better this point. is just a matter of, you know, execution. Can the Texans execute? And honestly, they really haven't played a good game the last couple of weeks. If they can figure out a way to put one together, uh, that's going to be a big deal. Also, I think the fact that the Texans have an extra day to prepare is going to help. This po- this time of the season with um, how much everybody's gone through, it-, it-, it might be a big deal that they played... Saturday afternoon and the and the Eagles played on Sunday afternoon. And, you know, who knows? I mean, the Texans, obviously, they, they got to travel for this one. But uh, yeah, that could help, too. And like I said, if, if QT or Deontay Foreman play, which it's a possibility both of those guys might end up playing this week, I mean, that, that brings a whole new element to what the Texans uh, can do. And, and, and I'm interested to see uh, what you would see from either one of those two guys if they do play, because that helps the Texans offense quite a bit.
1: Yeah, like I said, uh, we've had trouble with these shifty wide receivers. I think QT, I liked his tape coming out of Texas Tech. He did really well. I I can't believe he dropped to where he did, and he fits that offense perfectly. And when you had that three-headed monster of him, Fuller, and Hopkins, you guys were one of the most lethal offenses in football. And I liked what I saw out of Foreman last year, too. He's a big, bruising guy, and he can hit the hole pretty well. So I think that brings an element that Lamar Miller really doesn't present. But ultimately, I think the X factor is once again this Eagles defensive line. If they can come up and force pressures again on a team that is susceptible to allowing quarterback pressures, I think that's what it's going to come down to. Fletcher Cox, Doug Peterson before the game last week told him that he had to have a career game, and he did. He outdueled Aaron Donald with two of the best defensive tackles in football on the field. He knew he had to step up in a big moment. Michael Bennett, arguably the biggest steal ever in a trade for a fifth round draft pick this guy has just come out and he's putting up the third or fourth most pressures in the NFL right now he's got over seven sacks I think he at 33 years old he is just absolutely dominating but ultimately you guys have DeAndre Hopkins which I think is the biggest x-factor in this game and although our cornerbacks played pretty well last week I don't think we have anybody that can defend him one-on-one I think they're going to force a lot of A lot of coverage his way, which may open up things for Demarius Thomas. So I I don't think this is going to be an easy matchup. But when it's all said and done, I think the Eagles just have way more on the line. I think their backs are against the wall. They're in that underdog mentality and they want to come out and shock the world again. So I ultimately think it'll be a close game. I think when it's all said and done, probably like 23 to twenty or maybe a last-second field goal if I had to take a guess. But I think it's going to be a lot closer than people think. I think this Houston defense is going to cause a lot of issues for our offense, especially with Nick Foles, who's a high-variance quarterback. He has very high highs and very low lows. So if you can get him off his mark, you guys can open things up. And don't forget that
0: the Texans team just watched the Patriots lose, so they know if they can win this game and win the next game, they would have their first first round bye and franchise history in the playoffs. Uh, so that is what they're playing for, and the potential that they could have home field in the second round, which would be just a—I a, mean—one of the great, and I mean, just one of the most amazing turnarounds in NFL history to go from zero and three to, you know, uh, we're talking about a team that could go from zero and three to a number two seed in the AFC is, is just amazing. And you know, it. it's just, it's one of these seasons where everything's kind of broken, right? Since that 0 and 3 start. So I'm interested to see where it goes from here. I mean, everybody just, I think there's, it's hard to explain, you know, but everybody's just on pins and needles in Houston. They're waiting. Oh, the real Texans, we're going to see them. They're going to show up that, you know, nobody's on the bandwagon yet. It's, it's very weird, but, there's just not a whole lot of confidence in this team at this point they they're, they're kind of waiting for them to beat somebody good. I think this Eagles uh, game I think that might get some people a little bit more uh, I think excited about the team locally uh, just if they if they were to beat a team like Philadelphia on the road at this point in the season it would I think it would show people that uh, maybe, maybe they could do something in the playoffs.
1: Absolutely, I agree. I mean, who thought the Eagles were going to come out and beat the Rams, who are one of the best teams in football? I can say myself, I definitely didn't. So, yeah, that could definitely instill a lot of confidence in your fan base, which you should. I mean, Deshaun Watson's one of the great young quarterbacks in football. DeAndre Hopkins is arguably the best wide receiver in football. You have arguably two of the best pass rushers in football. So, I wouldn't say you guys have too much less talent than us, maybe even more right now with the, our health, but. Yeah, I, I I'm not gonna be mad either way. We're gonna this season has been disappointing, so it would just be in the spirit of the two thousand eighteen Eagles to lose this big matchup. But I counted them out last year when they made the playoffs and look what they did. So I'm I'm never gonna say never. It's gonna be fun on Sunday. I think it'll be a big test for both of these teams.
0: Yeah, Nick Foles, he's looking at you right now. He's,
1: <laughs> he's... Oh, I know. I know. <laughs> Everybody's down him again.
0: Yeah, he he's is he gonna be able to put together two two good weeks in a row?
1: That's the thing. I you can never tell with Nick. I mean, last year he had to step in that Rams game, ultimately sealed up the Rams game after once went out. The next week he goes and absolutely torches the Giants. Then the following two weeks he lays an egg. The first half of the Falcons game he laid an egg too, and then he played what. 10 great quarters in a row to go on to win the Super Bowl. So you you never know with him. It's it's really so inconsistent. We've seen the highs and lows in Nick Foles. We had a 27-2 and two season where he had 27 touchdowns, two interceptions, which is an all-time great season out of an Eagles quarterback. And then we send him to St. Louis. And then he just putts around the NFL for a little bit, comes back and wins the Super Bowl. So for a guy that has as much mental toughness as Nick, you can never count him out. Just can he put one foot in front of the other and put two good weeks together? That's going to be the test. He does step up in big moments. So when it's all said and done, I think he pulls out another miracle and it just keeps this storyline alive of the miraculous story of Nick Foles.
0: If Texans fans want to follow you on Twitter, what's your Twitter handle?
1: Yeah, uh, you could come check me out. I'm at Gino underscore L O E. You could catch Lou at Dibiase. That's D-I-B-I-A-S-E-L-O-E. And then you could catch us, our Twitter account, which is Lockdown Birds, at Lockdown Birds, not at Lockdown Eagles. That's an old Twitter account. Make sure you check out Lockdown Birds. And we're on the Lockdown Podcast Network, so you guys know where to catch all the podcasts. And uh, it was very good talking to you. And hopefully we can uh, do this again sometime, maybe in the off season. Absolutely,
0: Uh, of course, at Locked On Texans, and then uh, I'm at HST Podcast. My partner Brian is at House of Houston, so if you want to follow what's going on with the Texans, just keep up with us over there. Thanks for doing this. Uh, Great to catch up with you. Looking forward to Sunday, man.
1: Yeah, absolutely. We only do this every four years, so I'm hoping it's a good one. You
0: are Locked On Texans, your daily Houston Texans podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team, Every day.